on these cold and uh, wet days like this, I dream of uh, the beach and the working man's beach. And uh, this tune that Brian Mole's bringing us back with here by the dead reminds me of the penguin. like a local beach station. We break all the rules here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Brian Mull, uh, part of Joe Lenardi's team this year. Hey, now. little Disney hey, check. Little di- Look, I've got that Disney check before. When that thing hits your mailbox, you feel pretty. Cause that- Let me tell you about that Disney check, folks. She's steady. You ain't got to worry about it. It shows up. It hits the box. <laughs> a lot of rides on Space Mountain went into that. <laughs> Uh, no, I used to get the, the check from the mouse showed up every couple weeks. Now the, you know, the amount varied because of the work I was doing, for, but it showed up every two weeks. That's a nice feeling. Nice. Feeling. We like it. We, we like it over here at the headquarters. Yeah, I bet you do. Uh, Brian Mole with us here. Okay. Uh, so we're, uh, nearing this, uh, deadline here. I hope I'm not jinxing us. Everything right now appears to be uh, fine. Uh, is the NCAA, look, they sent referees home, and you're a guy that, I'm going to give you some credit here, Brian Mull. Um, You really take a, I think, a very um, unbiased, that's not really the best word, but it's the only one I can think of now, uh, and pretty straightforward look at the officials, but you've researched it. You did a huge article a few years ago on college basketball officiating and how they're evaluated, and I remember at dinner we had, we were doing a national game up in Virginia, and we went to dinner with a guy who worked for one of the leagues that we were there covering. Uh, and so the league office bought our uh, meal that night. That was great. And it was very gracious of them. But you asked the guy about what makes a good official and a great official. And I'll never forget that conversation. And, I mean, it's, it's a mere just fractions of a point. It's a call or two. But those guys that are great and that get the big assignments get them right more often than not. There's no doubt. The guys that you see on TV uh, that people know by name, that people detest because of that call that went against their favorite team in a critical moment and they've never forgotten it. And I get it. Look, it's, you know, everybody's passionate. Fans are what make the game. But the reason they're calling those games the biggest games is because they're the best. And, uh, you know, just ask some of these coaches in some of these lower leagues about the officials they have to encounter on a weekly basis, and um, they would, you know, gladly take those same yeah. people. So, well, I mean, it's it's challenging, and the best you'll see the best in the NCAA tournament based on their their full year's work. Minus the six. Now you lose Higgins, who's really good. Uh, I think one of my favorite officials. You you lose Roger Ayers. I'm not the biggest Ayers fan. Uh, TV Teddy has taken on a. a you know, a cult following good or bad of his own. I mean, those are three names, right? I mean, that, that, that crew could be doing the national championship game and you're in good hands, if you will. So uh, who are the other three guys? And then what exactly does this mean now for, you know, the, the, I mean, how do I assume there's officials on standby, like their teams on standby? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ray Natilli, who would be a name familiar to ACC fans and John Gaffney, who has worked his share of final fours and, I'm pretty sure worked in all the major conferences, uh, Big East, and ACC, SEC. And uh, Biss- Bissinger is a guy who doesn't work in this part of the country quite as much. I think he, he's primarily a Big Ten guy, but but uh, has a Final Four. I mean, 18 Final Fours between these six guys who were sent home. 
So uh, certainly they would have been candidates if they, uh, and they, they survive in advance as well. I don't know if people are aware of that through this bracket, like they all get their opening assignment. And then the, the ones who get the most calls right going forward will be the ones that you'll see ultimately in the final games. Um, I'm sure they had they they always have alternates. Uh, I know a lot of the games this year in conference tournaments there was an alternate on site. Um, that's typically the case, like the ACC tournament. I know there's you know in case somebody right. sprains an ankle or something happens. So I'm certain they had a, a pretty deep uh, alternate pool. Uh, assuming you know this could possibly happen, it's just the, the, the circumstances around which it happened are just un, kind of unfair for the officials. I mean, they arrived at their hotel and they were supposed to be able to check into their room. The room wasn't ready. And then there was no food at the hotel either. So the guys were hungry, you know, flying in. And they, it, rather than kind of forcing them to stay there with no food, they said, okay, you can go out. And they went to a, a local steakhouse. And then one of them came back, tested positive, and then tested positive again yesterday morning twice. Right, right yeah. You know, that was uh, kind of an unfortunate way. But, yeah, they'll they'll be missed. I mean, I know a lot of people won't miss any of them and, and will feel like their team is in better hands. But uh, you, you can't replace experience this time of the year when, uh, you know, the, the game gets heated. You want those guys who have been through it and, and dealt with every situation. And uh, maybe a little bit easier for a replacement guy this year because you don't have as quite the, the stage, you know, not quite right. as many fans. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's our first casualty. Hopefully, our only casualty uh, to this point. Uh, certainly, some teams that are impaired uh, leading up to it. Uh, Virginia being at the top of that list uh, with really not going to have any practice time because of quarantine. What happened in the ACC tournament and Wichita State uh, is another team that's kind of dealing with similar. So Kansas uh, also, yeah, Jayhawks, also. Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're filling out your bracket, you might want to keep those things in mind. I mean, typically teams coming off pauses this year have not performed well in the first game back, uh, with some exceptions. But, uh, you know, certainly it'd be unusual to not practice leading up to your NCAA tournament game. If you could think of an outlet, Brian Mall nationally has uh, contributed, written for it. Uh, Brian with us here, talking some college basketball NCAA tournament starting 48 hours from tonight with the first four and uh, we'll have uh, some interesting games. I, I did want to get into games, but it just seems like there's so many other things to talk about here. The coaching carousel is starting to spin. George Mason uh, today out of the A-10 uh, did not renew their coach. So uh, we've seen, of course, Indiana most notably uh, occur here. Is the Indiana job appealing? You know, there's this great debate on social media. Is it the school? Is it the program? Or is it just the coach, the guy? In other words, Bob Knight in Indiana. Uh, UCLA with Wooden, uh, Duke Shusheski. Now UNC, a little different story. They've had uh, you know Dean and Roy, uh, you know, and, and some before that, some winning. Uh, you know they've been fairly consistent through changes. Kentucky has had some terrific highs, but they've also had some pretty low lows. Uh, it really, to me, I guess, comes down to the guy, doesn't it? It does absolutely. I mean, I don't think. Uh... You know, you can <clears throat> discount the, the, the passionate fans at Indiana. I mean, that's right. The heart of basketball country, some of the greatest high school and, and tradition in, in college as well. But uh, when you look at recent history, uh, you know, going back to the Kelvin Sampson era, of course, they went to the tournament both times. They've only been in the tournament four times since 2009. And uh, only, uh, you know, they made the Sweet 16 three, three times in that tenure. So, 
you know, as far as if you're listing the the modern, relevant, blue blood, elite programs, they're certainly not in the top tier and, and would fall somewhere down the second tier. I mean, if you ask the folks in the Big Ten, they would say that Indiana's in the middle of the pack uh, with, the, with the way that, you know, Michigan and, and Michigan State and Illinois now and Ohio State back on the kind of the uptick. So they need the right coach and, and, and they're over their last two or three. Um, you know, and really, when you look at the end of Bob Knight's ter- tenure there, they were not, they were pretty reliable for getting beat in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Right, uh, right. If not making it at all there toward the end, you know, his last decade. So uh, it's been a long drought. Um, the facilities are fine. I've been to Bloomington. I've covered a game in Assembly Hall. I mean, they're, they're fine. It's a great old building. Uh, certainly has a lot of character. And uh, I, there's no doubt the right coach could get it turned around, but I just don't know who's who's out there. Yeah, who's because all your all your names, and I think Indiana fancies themselves on needing a name. At least I would think they would with the kind of money they just wrote uh, Archie Miller to get out of town. The kind of check that uh, one donor stroked him. I mean, I I think Stevens at Boston. I mean, that to me makes a lot of sense. You and I were talking before we went on the air. I I look go after Mark Few because there's just not that sort of young up and coming guy right now. Jay Wright maybe, but. You know, with Few and Wright, there's really no draw to Indiana. With with uh, Brad Stevens, obviously, there's a huge draw to Indiana. Uh, but other than yeah, that, then, everybody else is older. Porter Moser at Loyola, Chicago. That name will, will certainly circulate, uh, you know, being a Midwesterner and his success that he's had having them in the Final Four and then having them back on the 8-9 the line this year. And But you, you, you do have to wonder, can he recruit at that level? Anytime you're bringing in someone who's never, uh, you know, coached, as a head coach at the, at the high major level, that's always a, a reasonable question to ask. And certainly recruiting is a huge part of it at every level. But but in the Big Ten, if you don't have players, you're not going to win. So it'll, you know, and they just kind of hired a mid-major, successful mid-major guy right, in Archie. Yeah. So yeah. will they go down that road again? Uh, doubtful. Do you, Brian Mull joining us here, Patrick Johnson Show, uh, tournament 48 hours away from starting, very excited about uh, this year. Uh, the poll question today on Twitter is, will you fill out a bracket? Uh, and if so, uh, it's actually asking how many you'd fill out. Zero, one, two, or three or more. I'm doing three or more. That's just how I roll. Uh, are you filling out a bracket this year, Brian Mull? I probably will. I usually say I'm not going to, and then uh, right before the tournament starts, I just want to have a l- even more vested interest than I already have in in certain aspects of it, and I usually fill one out. And uh, you know, I don't know that many people watch more games dur- than I do during the year, and I don't. And, and most people will do better in their bracket than I will. As um, I try not to overthink it. I think that's right. the key. Yeah. Just uh, just roll through it, and uh, if. Don't outsmart yourself and have Gonzaga losing before the final four. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. There's some that don't believe with, don't believe in what you just said, my friend. Um, who do you like in this uh, thing here? I, I want to. Are there any particular matchups? I'm really, uh, you know, usually the first four is kind of, eh, but you and I had Norfolk State this year on TV. Uh, we also, uh, I know you keep an eye on what goes on at App State. I really don't like you do, but. Uh, you know, I know that's that's a game you fall to me. That's an intriguing game. Uh, I'm really intrigued, believe it or not, by UCLA and Michigan State uh, as a, a plan. Of course, Wichita with the uh, American Athletic uh, run there. Uh, those are some of the first four games, you know, to me that are, are really interesting and are probably going to hold my attention a little longer than the average first four game might. 
Yeah, I think those are four nice matchups. Uh, Robert Jones uh, finally getting Norfolk State to the tournament. Well-deserved there. He's run a great program for the last eight years. And, of course, they had the big upset in 2012 when he was an assistant knocking off uh, Missouri, which was the number two seed. So they, they have some uh, – they, they would love to have another moment. And, uh, you know, it's a big big game for both those conferences because the winner gets a full share of the NCAA money. And uh, that certainly matters when you're in the MEAC or the Sun Belt. Uh, to be distributed among the member schools. You know, I think there's a lot of great matchups. I think the committee, uh, by all accounts, in a strange year, did a really good job of including the right teams and, for the most part, seeding teams, which was challenging because yeah. of all the pauses and, you know, and things. I, I, think um, Virginia, I, I think Virginia Tech argument. got a tough seed. I think the Bonnies got a real tough seed to be a conference champion. Um, but, you know, other than that, I, I, I kind of tend to agree with you, I guess. The, the problem with teams from, like, the A-10, for example, like St. Bonaventure, is they didn't have a non-conference schedule. Right, yeah. And normally you at least have opportunities, uh, eight or ten games, and, you know, maybe half those where you're tested by like competition or better than, you know, and you have an opportunity to not only win a game, but at least show kind of what you have on that level. So while they ran through the A-10 regular season and, and, and tournament, I think they just missed out on some on some non-conference opportunities to boost their resume. Uh, I think this Winthrop-Villanova game, kind of staying somewhat close to home, is extremely intriguing. Of course, Villanova's point guard, Colin Gillespie, is out. And Winthrop's a team that's going to bring the pressure. They're going to bring the pace. They're going to go 10 or 11 deep. They have a four star, former four-star recruit in the middle at center, which uh, you know not many teams at that level can – have and they have a, a six foot seven point guard that's a triple double yeah, machine yeah. um you know so they're going to be uh they're going to be a challenge uh villanova is going to have to score to win that game and and uh i think that that's a really good matchup of course georgia tech loyola is one that, that will have a lot of people's attention uh the, the yellow jackets coming on strong and at the end of the year and uh that one will probably be pretty pretty deliberate i think virginia tech florida also is, yeah. is an intriguing game, you know, close to home, uh, two pretty evenly matched uh, programs. I would give the coaching advantage to Virginia Tech in that one. I think Mike Young is one of the 10 best coaches in the country, and uh, I think he'll he'll have a great game plan, and, and maybe they'll be in a little better condition than they were coming off of Paul's uh, going into the ACC tournament. We'll get you next week, obviously, talk about this, but just in this first uh, run here in the, the first couple of rounds, what are you looking at uh, as maybe a big upset or, or a team to kind of keep an eye on to maybe advance to the Sweet 16 outside of, of chalk? Well, uh, <clears throat> Winthrop, I certainly think, can win that game. Uh, now, uh, a lot is going to have to go right, uh, but I, I certainly think they are a 12 that, um, you know, can can pull that 12-5 magic that we've seen. I think Georgetown keeps it going. I mean, look, Patrick yeah. Ewing, mm-hmm. you know, the way that squad played, I mean, they won won some games convincingly during the Big East tournament and just dominated a really good Creighton team in the championship. And I, I think they can handle Colorado. And, yeah, uh, uh, bu- and, not to interrupt you, but the Buffaloes away from away from their home court have not been great this year. It, exactly, exactly, and they have a great player, McKinley Wright. But um, I, I think certainly that's a game that uh, that. Georgetown is going to be a, a tough team. I think we're going to see a lot of chalk, though. I really do. I know that's not what people want to hear, but I just think the top teams kind of separated themselves this year. Um, you know, Arkansas and Alabama are very good. They're certainly second weekend type teams coming out of the SEC. 
Uh, all the number one seeds, uh, I think, are good. I think the biggest question mark is Michigan with the uh, livers um, not being elig- you know, able available because of injury. I think that makes them a little more susceptible, but they still got the big fella Dickinson inside, and, and they can go through him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we'll see all four number ones playing next weekend. Although, you know, the winner of the Wisconsin-UNC uh, matchup, that, that, that could be a pretty interesting second-round game. All right, uh, out of time, not out of questions. Brian Mull, he did work for Lenardi this year uh, and uh, was back again. And uh, you can check that out before the tournament uh, on ESPN's uh, website and uh, all the Lenardi stuff there. It's worth checking out. Uh, follow him on Twitter at BG Mull. He'll have some provocative things to uh, say during the course of the uh, tournament on Twitter. And uh, he'll you, you, you look, if you see a random 1 a.m. tweet, He's up watching games, folks. So, uh, Brian Mull, uh, follow him there. Uh, Brian, good to talk to you. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Patrick. Enjoy enjoy the games. We plan to. I'm going to fill out multiple brackets. Mull's filling out one. Ben, you and uh, Casey filling out brackets, right? Uh, uh, I'll fill out one. Why not? <laughs> Why not? For the okay. heck of it, Georgetown all the way. What did the Twitter poll? What did the Twitter poll say? I think it's over with now. Yep, it's finalized. We asked how many March Madness brackets will you fill out? Zero, one, two, or three or more. Uh, Leading with 47.1% of the votes, the majority of the votes was zero, followed by one with 25.5% of the votes, and tied is two and three or more with 13.7% of the votes. The P-Man will be back to wrap it up after this quick break. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Yeah, here's the Sister Jean story from earlier. I'm sorry. I think we, we might have uh, had a short the mic there. But, no, we all remember Sister Jean from a few years ago. And uh, Sister Jean is ready to go to the NCAA tournament and watch uh, Loyola University of Chicago play, you know, 101 years old. She's still kicking, baby. She's been fully vaccinated for COVID. Uh, but because of the travel team restrictions, uh, she may not be able to go because they are limiting travel parties. Going to the NCAA tournament. Says she wants to go badly. That she's already received her coronavirus vaccine. She rose to fame, if we remember, back in 2018 during the tournament when Loyola made that run to the Final Four as a number 11 seed. She says she will not storm the court if she's if they'll let her go. She promises to be on her best behavior. Uh, funny stuff there. Funny stuff there. All right, uh, Pirate uh, Baseball coming your way tomorrow. That will begin uh, at uh, 545, 6 o'clock first pitch from Wilmington as uh, UNCW uh, will welcome uh, the ECU Pirates to town. Uh, We'll be on leading you into that one from 5 until uh, about 540 or so, somewhere in that neighborhood. And then we'll uh, give it up to those guys at quarter tilt, uh, Corey Glore and uh, Coach Gary Overton. Dr. Overton will uh, be uh, in, in Wilmington from what I understand. 
At least when I talked to Coach last about it, he said he was going. Uh, so we'll have coverage for you tomorrow right here on the flagship of the Pirates, 94-3 the game. Also tomorrow, uh, plan to be joined by Joe Giglio from 99.9 The Fan. Uh, Giglio's going to uh, talk some hoop with us. And a little more help in filling out your bracket as everything will begin on uh, Thursday night. So that's uh, the look. That's the plan. That's what we got going for you coming up uh, on uh, Wednesday. And then uh, Thursday and Friday uh, shows will be bringing you uh, very emotional, very special uh, coverage. It's something that we were uh, unfortunately not able to do last year. And uh, we're back doing it this year albeit from a socially distanced uh, way, but our Maynard Children's Hospital uh, radio phone will be taking place to end the week. 94.3 The Game and everybody at IBX Media uh, making miracles. Our radio phone coming up the 18th and 19th. And we hope you'll uh, open your heart and, uh, and contribute to a great asset here in eastern North Carolina. Uh, as of this morning, the transfer portal had swollen. It had gotten swollen. Up to 475 names in the transfer portal. A year ago, it was at 280 names, and we thought that was huge. But now it is 475, and I would expect uh, several more going to hit the transfer portal. Uh, check out our podcast, 943thegame.com. We'll have it on for you in a little bit. Uh, you can also uh, check out the uh, Inside the ECU Clubhouse with Coach Cliff Godwin podcast. That usually drops on Mondays, but you can also uh, relive some of the magic of that as well. And uh, big thanks to Ben Byram today, also to intern Joe. KC doing a great job. I uh, want to also thank Brian Mole for taking a few minutes to join us uh, here on the program. Uh, tomorrow, Pirate Baseball, UNCW and ECU will bring you coverage beginning at 6 o'clock here on the flagship of the Pirates, 94-3 the game. 5.45 airtime for the network. We'll be on from 5, leading you up until then. And then 6 o'clock, uh, first pitch from Brooksfield between the Pirates, nationally ranked at the top 10 in several of the polls, and the Seahawks. Uh, have a great evening, everybody.